Les O'Rear was in college when the stock market crashed and got a call that he'd have to come back to Chicago and help support his family. So he left his dorm room and got a job back home, not making too much money, just to get through the hard times. Now, your first instinct, just like my own, might be that Les's story took place just a few years ago. But no, this was the Great Depression, and that low pay I mentioned was 37.5 cents per day working in the stockyards, or just a little more than $5 a day in today's dollars. This is Ryan Bannister, and I'm back on another episode of Financial Line Podcast, the show that helps gamers to save, invest, and make more money. This episode is inspired by America's recent birthday. It's about the Great Depression, two world wars, and multiple market crashes. Why does this story from nearly one century ago sound so similar to what's happening nowadays? This is some of the history that's shaped our country financially, and statistics like domestic savings rates show that habits change after crises. But why do they always seem to revert back to a mean? Let's look at Les's story. Les O'Rear shared his story a few years ago with NPR, where... He, along with some other survivors of the Great Depression, like Dusko Kondich and Gigi Cortez, told of the hard times their families endured. And just like the Great Recession 10 years ago that we all went through, people made it through how they could and still suffer the effects many years later. These effects are seen in the stories of people like Dusko Kondich, where his father died a relatively young man in his 40s during the Great Depression leaving him, along with seven other siblings and his mother, to piece together a way to make it through, to the point where eventually they lost their house, and every possession they owned was placed on the sidewalk after they got kicked out when they couldn't pay the mortgage. And a lot of these survivors sharing their stories will say, one way they got through was with the radio. Or nowadays, like how we've gotten through quarantine with Netflix, Hulu, Disney+, and all the other numerous streaming services. And once they were able to make it through these hard times, many people out there believe that World War II brought about what is considered the end of the Great Depression. But the real recovery was brought on after the astronomical war spending and taxes went down. Government spending on war does nothing to create economic recovery because the money to finance that increased spending is drained from people like Les or Dusko, either through increased taxes, war bonds, or increased borrowing. But is America really alone in the struggle? There must be others, or at least some who've come before. Q in Germany. One country that, let's just say, has had its fair share of ups and downs. Also, one of the many countries that I still have yet to see in person. But one can dream, right? The world's first savings bank was founded in Hamburg, Germany in 1778. About 75 years later, in 1850, there were about 278,000 savings accounts in the whole kingdom of Prussia. But saving money caught on so quickly that by 1875, 
this had skyrocketed to about 2.21 million savings accounts. Then by 1900, about 25 years later, there were over 8.67 million savings accounts, which was at least 25% of the population. This whole new phenomenon coincided basically with Germany's struggle at the time to overcome political divisions. And progress in the country was essentially built on the back of these savings where it was almost seen as a service to the nation where you're doing your duty as a citizen to save. And this got even worse in World War I when propaganda came around encouraging everyone to buy war bonds. And this eventually reached its peak in 1923 when hyperinflation started. Hyperinflation is when a country's currency starts inflating at super high rates, where in the U.S. we see normally inflation rates between somewhere like 1 to 3 percent. And if you've never really studied German hyperinflation before, this might be the time when you want to sit down, because it's about to get crazy. When World War I broke out, Germany suspended the gold standard and also imposed their first income tax to pay for the war, basically believing they could pay off the debt by winning the war. As we can tell now, this strategy failed, and when Germany lost the war, that massive war debt couldn't be paid off, which they made even worse by just continually printing more money. To the point where around the year 1919, the German mark traded at 48 marks, required to buy a U.S. dollar. This got a little more stable in 1921 at about 90 marks per dollar. But once reparation demands from the Treaty of Versailles were ordered around the year 1922, the cost went up to around 320 marks per dollar. This got so bad that in the fall of 1922, a loaf of bread cost around 160 marks, this same loaf of bread at the end of 1923 would cost 200 billion marks, and one U.S. dollar was worth about 4.21 trillion marks. Yeah, remember what I said about it getting crazy? So what happens when you get in a hole this deep? Well, I'll give you a little bit of a spoiler and just say that nobody really knows you just kind of make it up as you go along. Germany got to the point where they eventually had to revalue the currency. Some debts were reinstated to compensate creditors like mortgages and some government debts. German households started saving again, which eventually got up to about 10% of disposable income. But then, before they knew it, the world was in its second war, which completely wiped out savings again. And now we're back to square one again, where in the second half of the 19th century, German schools started teaching saving and established special school savings banks to increasingly link it to the national idea, to the point where now saving is an identity built in Germany through three centuries of hyperinflation, wars, depression, and dictatorship. Only about 1 in 10 German households nowadays own stocks, while 70% have savings accounts. 
The German government has registered a surplus every year since 2014, and they're on course to eliminate the national debt over the next 20 or 30 years. Their welfare state has tens of billions in reserves, and their gold reserves are second only to the U.S. Just as we saw savings rates recover after hyperinflation in Germany, U.S. household savings climbed notably following the Great Depression. German household savings increased tenfold from 1950 to 1960. In the U.S., we escalated to as high as 13.2% household savings rate in 1970. In the coming decades, we'd see it as low as 3.5%. After the Great Recession, it got up to around 12%, and last year we posted a modest 7.6% household savings rate. Could the results from two countries going through similar crises at similar times be any different? What exactly caused the disparity here when one country has a budget surplus and paying off national debt, and the other has starkly the opposite situation happening? For now, let's get back to our story. Les O'Rear made it through the Depression and the war, and in 1969, he co-founded the Illinois Labor History Society. He served as its president until age 98, and president emeritus until his death. He worked his whole career fighting for workers' rights and trying to prevent the same thing from happening as in the Great Depression. Thanks to people like Les, working conditions, along with quality of life in the U.S., has drastically increased since then. But where Germany was seemingly able to link saving to their national idea and identity, citizens in the U.S. have not had these same results. We can see that savings rates spike to great levels after a crisis, but then creep steadily lower. And I'm not saying that our current 7.6% savings rate is a bad thing, but at the same time, Congress and the Fed are both issuing unprecedented levels of stimulus money to cover a lot of people through the pandemic. We can also take a look at Japan. As of September 30th, 2018, Japanese households held about 1.86 trillion yen, or about $17 trillion dollars. Over half of this is held in cash, compared to about 14% in the U.S. and 33% in the euro area. Now, Japan is another country where crises have strongly encouraged their citizens to save cash. Like in the late 80s, when their stock market crashed, they actually went into negative inflation, which technically means that the same amount of money can buy more tomorrow than it can today. Talk about an incentive to hold your cash. But looking at how citizens in Japan reacted to just this one crisis, and how German citizens over the past 300 years have reacted to times of trouble, we see that crisis is the time when all heroes rise to the challenge. Is now our time? If you enjoyed the stories in today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform that you're listening. 
And don't forget that Mondays and Wednesdays are Twitch live streams at 8 p.m. You can find me in the Twitch app at Financial Lion or just go to twitch.tv slash Financial Lion. It's always an awesome time on there just getting to chat with everyone and hang out. So if you've got any questions, make sure you're in there this week. And if you want to get notifications of when I go live, just make sure you follow me on all social media accounts at Financial Lion. Thanks again, everyone, for all of your support. You make doing these episodes possible, and I really appreciate you. See you next time.